We're going to have to preach a balanced gospel. He's a God of love, but he's also a God of wrath. He's a God of forgiveness and mercy, but he's also a God of judgment. The same God that created heaven is the same God that also created hell. Well, praise the Lord, saints of God. Praise the Lord. Hello, this is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I greet you once again in that glorious, matchless, and majestic name of the Lord Jesus Christ. His name is above other names, and we give him praise today. And I thank you for joining me once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, we're going to start a whole new series. This series is entitled The Final Call. You know, my friends, it seems as though there are people on street corners and and in billboards and just on media pointing their fingers at each other. Everybody's pointing at each other. But there is one person that is the judge of all, and his name is Jesus. And that is today's subtitle. Jesus is the judge. We're going to have a great time today. So I'm so grateful that you decided to join us. Don't forget to join us on our website as well at www.kingdomrock.org. There you can connect with us on social media and download the Kingdom Rock app and so many others. So check us out at kingdomrock.org. Well, without any further ado, here comes today's message entitled, Jesus is the Judge, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. All right, well, let's start today uh, on at uh, John the 8th chapter, John 8, John 8. And uh, while you're getting that, I'll tell you once again that we're starting a new series today, and, it, and this is entitled, The Final Call the final call. I really do believe that this is one of the final call, or this is the final call. And you'll hear this message uh, throughout the church world because the Holy Spirit is speaking to his church. Jesus is definitely soon to come. There will be the rapture of the church. I believe that there will be a great end time revival. There's no doubt about that. There will be a great end time revival. The sons of God, that, that is the children of God, will rise with power, with, with the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. And then you will see uh, after that period of time, because I believe the Lord has to have his church rise with power uh, so that he can show the world the difference between his true church and the harlot church. Because understand that in the last days, there will be those that have a form of godliness, but no power. The Bible says, but they deny the power thereof. They'll have a form, but no power. It's kind of like uh, a mannequin. I think Brother Demetrius talked about that earlier. A mannequin. You look in the um, clothing stores, you see mannequin. They have a form. And some of them, boy, I don't know what those manufacturers are. They give them a real a real form too in many ways they have a form they look real but there's no life there's no power in there so there will be real church buildings um, that they'll look real there'll be real people within the churches and many will have an emotional experience but the Holy Spirit is not in it now, you do understand that you can have an emotional experience without the Holy Spirit. Uh, there are many other spirits that can give you an emotional experience. They go into the bars every day. They call them spirits. Are you hearing? 
You're ingesting spirits and you can laugh and you can and you can just have a good old time. But understand something. Help him, please. But understand something. There is a time that God is calling for on the earth when he is going to show the world the difference between the real and the false. As the world gets darker and darker, and I pray that you hear what we are saying today and that you don't allow distraction. As the world gets darker and darker, the true body of Christ is going to become brighter and brighter. And what you're going to see is a departure from, as the world says, shades of gray. There will be no gray area. Okay, there actually is no gray area now, but there is a holy eraser going down the middle when there will be no gray area. You will have to make a choice. You'll have to make a decision whose side you are on. Now, my call, I am not called to the world. My major calling is not to the world, although the ministry does go out to the world and people do get saved. Praise Jesus. That's an awesome thing. My major call and assignment is to the church. Hallelujah. Because I believe that the revival will come and revival will start with the repentance of the church. Don't you understand that as the church repents, as the church stops buying these worldly horrible things and you go down the list because you know what I'm talking about as the church stops watching this as the church stops investing in this in that these things that belong to the world system that uh, when the church really begins to make a distinction that this nation and this world will begin to feel the economic impact Many of these things are thriving today uh, we talked about uh, these uh, and I hate to use some of these words but we um, I mean, pornography is running rampant, uh, not only in the, uh, the world, but also within the walls of the church. Now, you have to know that that is true because there are so many bishops or so many pastors or whoever that uh, have been caught molesting children that have been caught on um, these sort of websites. There have been raids and all that. I really don't want to get into all that, but I'm just telling you that that it is that a large portion of it has been ingrained in the people of the church. That's fact. A large portion of the church, I'm not, I don't know how much, so I'm not going to really label it, but we have been bitten with the venom of the world. Bitten with the venom of the world. And now it's time for the Lord, and he's saying that we need to come out from among them and be separate. That does not mean that we go and build our own little town, our own little commune and all that sort of stuff. What difference would that make? The world is in darkness and we pull out, we pull away all the flashlights and now you can't see. That wouldn't solve a problem. The Lord leaves us here as an example, showing the world his light and how he is. So I pray he leave you right where you are. Are you understanding? But this is the final call. And this call is about the church repenting. The church repenting. And as we said before, the world's answer, the world's answer is not in government. It's not in the White House. It's in the church house. It's in the church house. 
we thank the Lord for our elected officials and we're going to be praying with them. Praise the Lord. We're going to continue to pray with them. But the answer to this world is in the church. Okay? But here's the problem. Many of the church has been struck with the venom. And the venom is tasty. The venom is sweet. The venom is alluring and the the venom is deceptive. The venom is seductive. So many of us have been seduced to the dark side. Are you hearing? So here's a call from God saying, hey, wake up, church. Hey, wake up. I'm soon to come. Wake up. It's time for my glory to be revealed in you. It's time for you to come away from that and come to me. Here's the call. Here's that clarion call. It's time to wake up. It's time to shake yourself. Now we know that uh, somebody said, when are you going to start preaching, Pastor? I'm preaching right now. Now we know that things of the world can be addictive. And it can be difficult uh, when these things are rooted in your flesh because your flesh begins to cry out for them. Whether it's drugs or alcohol or whatever it is. Your flesh begins to crowd for the taste. Your flesh begins to crowd for the feel, for the feeling. But God didn't call us to be ruled by the flesh. He called us to be ruled by the spirit. So I want you to hear this. As some things are rooted in your flesh, rooted in our flesh, we're going to have to cry out to the Holy Spirit to detox us from the things of the world. Don't you understand that many of us are watching church-wide I can't say all, thank God, but many of us are watching things on television, TV shows that we shouldn't be watching. It's come to the point that when when Mary and Johnny get together, you know, they've been in this love triangle all the time through the whole series. And they finally got together and they went up to some room and fornicated and we they finally got together. Mary, What? Or we rejoice when the bad guy gets it. Boom. Oh, I'm so glad they killed him. I'm so glad. What? That is also against the word of God. You should not rejoice when your enemy falls or when he stumbles. Are you hearing? But it's so much within our culture in the music. And so many times when we go to movie theater or we or we go uh, watch you watch movies on television or what have you and people are cursing, dropping these big time, big time bad words. Sometimes it doesn't even faze us. And you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Are you hearing We can sit there and watch it. But that's only part of the problem. Then there are those who claim here again, claim to be Christians who come to church to find someone to love that night. I'm going to keep it that way. This is going on right now in the house of God. So I want you to I want you to hear this and we're going to get into the word of God. But I want you to hear this. We can go out into the world and we can. And, and tell the, the average man, you are a filthy sinner. You will be going to hell. All right. That man says, all right, you know what? You are absolutely right. I want to repent. 
Where are you going to take them? Take them to the place full of hypocrites? Where are we going to take them? The house has to be cleaned first so the babies can come in. The house has to be cleaned first. The babies are about to be born. The nursery has to be made ready. I'm telling you, I pray you hear this prophetically, the babies are about to be born. People are about to be born again in massive numbers. So the Lord has to get his house ready first. Or else when they come in, let's say someone has had some some addiction, some horrible addiction. And they have that and they get delivered somewhere. Maybe they get delivered in the parking lot of Walmart or someplace. And they give their lives to the Lord because the Lord will infuse his body with power. And then the body itself will begin to have boldness, power and conviction. And you'll be out in the parking lot just telling people about the Lord. And they want to give their lives to Jesus. And then here they go. They get delivered in the parking lot of that disease or of that sickness uh, or, or of that addiction. And they come in the church and say, Somebody in the church says, hey, man, you want to come do this afterwards? Amen, 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 amen. What? You understanding? So the Lord is going to have to purge his house, purge the church. He's going to have to clean his house. He's going to have to clean house. Judgment must begin in the house of the Lord. It must begin with us. It must begin with us. The house has to be sanitized. We got to have baby locks, if you would, on the cabinets and doors. We got to get the house baby proof. All right. The new babies are about to be born on a massive level because you in this house and many in other places will become bold by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to witness to people. You're going to give them your testimony. They're going to just strike up a conversation. I pray you're hearing me. You'll just strike up a conversation. They'll strike up a conversation with you. And you're going to feel led of the Lord. You're going to feel this deep groaning on the inside of you. You're going to have to share this thing with them. And you'll share your testimony. You'll tell them about Jesus. This is not some script that you'll have. You'll share with them Jesus. You'll give them Jesus. And they'll say, wow, I want more of that. Tell me, tell me more. And then you'll lead them in a prayer of salvation or you'll, you'll lead them uh, to know Jesus. You bring them to the local fellowship where they can be fed and increase and they can learn even more. Okay. As long as the local fellowship exists. Now we do understand now, boy, we're going, we get to John in just a second. If the Lord Jesus tarries, If he tarries and the Antichrist rises, there will be no such thing as a meeting in the public place. But this is why he calls every member of the body of Christ ministers, disciples, servants. He calls all of us preachers. And if you will actually receive this as well, when he gave the great commission, I pray you hear me. When he gave the great commission to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he that believed and is baptized shall be saved. He that believed not shall be damned. He wasn't just talking to preachers. We understand that, right? When he says go into all the world, he's talking to all of us, right? Even to the part when he says baptize. Because there may be a point when there's no preacher or pastor around. When there's no, when it's not safe to meet in public places and the person needs to be baptized, you baptize them in Jesus name because you're a minister, you're a preacher. 
I'm not sure if you receive that or not. But if that day so comes, you're going to have to be ready. You will have to be ready. Boy, it's sobering, isn't it? But this is the final call. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Stop the foolishness. Be ready. If there are addictions and habits, let's crown to the Holy Spirit right now to get us delivered from that. Let's be ready. Are you hearing? I believe we're going to see days of wonder. Yes, we will. I believe that for the end time harvest, I believe for the revival. Yes, uh, yes, we do. Yes, I believe. I believe for the rapture of the church. Yes, I do. And I also believe in the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord when men, when mankind will cry out to the rocks and mountains, fall on us and hide us from the lamb. Hide us from God and him that sits on the throne, the lamb. Hide us, hide us, hide us. When people will run in terror and in utter fear and in utter chaos as the judge comes to earth. That day will come. We're going to have to preach a balanced gospel. He's a God of love, but he's also a God of wrath. He's a God of forgiveness and mercy, but he's also a God of judgment. The same God that created heaven is the same God that also created hell. Are you hearing? He is to be loved, and at the same time, he is also to be feared. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He is to be loved and feared. Are you hearing? So this is our final call. Get ready, church. Get ready, church. Stop putting God on the back burner. Get ready, church. It's not all about you. We're going to have to repent. We're going to have to repent of our selfishness. God, forgive me. We have to repent of our selfishness. Are you hearing? It's not about you. And it's not about, oh, Lord. I'm trying to get to John 8. I want you to take, go with me right now in your holy imagination. And imagine us. At the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're there, we're in heaven, the rapture is taking place and everything, and, and we're there with Jesus. Oh, how wonderful. The Bible declares there in the book of Revelation, there's a part there that says, I believe Revelation 21, that God will have to wipe away the tears from our eyes. There'll be no more sorrow, no more death, and so forth. Why is he wiping away your tears? You're in heaven, you're with Jesus. Why is he wiping away your tears? We're in heaven. There's Jesus there. There, I mean, here are the angels. I mean, the Lord is that this heaven is a state of pure love and just God. Why are we crying? We're crying because we are there to witness the lamb issuing judgment upon those that rejected him. There is no place in heaven for those that reject the lamb. There's no place. And there is only one sin that gets people that gives people entrance into hell. Only one. Not multiple sins. There is just one sin that grants them entrance into hell. And that is rejecting the Lamb of God. Because if they receive the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, He'll help them work out all these other things in their flesh. 
He'll help them work it out. He'll help them work it out. Didn't he help you work yours out? Isn't he helping you work yours out? Why do we think Jesus would be any different with anybody else? There's only one sin that gets people into hell. Only one. That is rejecting the Son of God. If they reject the Son of God, there is no place for them in heaven. None whatsoever. And so there we are. We're in heaven in this lovely place, a place of pure love, pure joy, pure peace, pure goodness. I mean, patience. All of this is all around us. We stand in awe in his presence and we are crying. We are sobbing. We are travailing because we know that there are human spirits going down into a place of torment and they will be tormented forever. And there is no parole in hell. Torture in hell. Now, no human being was designed to go there. The Bible is very specific. Matthew 24, I believe, or 25, that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels and the fallen. It was not prepared for man. So anytime man goes to hell, they go illegally. Not supposed to be there. We are trespassers. Not supposed to be there. But here we will see possibly billions of souls crying out in massive agony. There'll be mothers seeing their children go, grown children go. There'll be, there'll be husbands seeing their wives and wives seeing their husbands. There'll be grandparents seeing their grandchildren go. There'll be relationships. Why can't they come? Because they rejected the Son of God. They said to Jesus, we don't want you. They said to the Messiah, we don't want you. We can do it ourselves. And so when it comes to the day of judgment, since they have lived their lives in their own self-righteousness, they said we have our own moral code, our own moral similitude. We don't need the righteousness that God provides. Then that means that they will stand before the judge in their own righteousness, which does not fit the bill. And there is no place for it. There's only one way to wash your sins away, and that is through the blood of Jesus. There's only one way to wash your sins away. It is not by good works. It's not by good actions. It is, that is, there's only one way, and that is by the blood of the Lamb. Washing sins away completely. So what is the final call message? It's very simple. Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus and Jesus alone. The body of Christ would wake up, come away from the world, come away from all this nasty and repulsive stuff. Come away from all these habits, these bad habits and these bad addictions. Anything that can spoil you or hinder you from hearing the word of God and relaying it to others, we need to come away from it. Ask God if your heart has been, if your conscience has been seared and you don't even know that this is bad anymore. Ask God to renew your conscience. Ask him to renew your conscience. Has to be renewed. Please, God, renew my conscience so that I may be moved with what moves you. 
so that I may hate what you hate, so that I may love what you love, so that I may embrace what you embrace. Here is the final call. Now understand something. This is only going to happen once. So the Lord is preparing. There's not going to be a second rapture or a third rapture. There's not going to be a second day of the Lord or a fourth day of the Lord. This is only going to happen once. This is only going to happen once. And you were selected by God, handpicked by God, not by angels. You were handpicked by God to be alive in this day and time. You were selected by God from eternity past. You understand something? When God created all the spirits there in the book of of Genesis, when he created man, he created man. He actually created the spirit of man. Only Adam and Eve came down there at that point. The rest of the human spirits were born and were with God. We existed in God. He just seated Adam and Eve first. There's no other place in scripture where you see where God created another human spirit after the book of Genesis. It does not exist. We all were created. He created man, mankind, all of mankind. We were there in spirit. Adam and Eve were the first ones to receive a body to their spirit. And so God selected through the timeline. He selected where he would seed you, where he would give you a body. And he selected this time to give you the body to give you the body that you have for this time period. He designated that you would be black or that you would be white or that you that you would be Hispanic. He designated that though that you would be uh, Chinese or what have you. Uh, he designated that he decided decided this is who you be born to. These will be your parents. You understand? And he gave you the body. Now what are you going to do with it? You are part of that end time church, that end time revival. And it's time for us. It's time for us to to stop whining and complaining and bellyaching and understand this is about to wrap up. And in not too long from now, we will all be weeping. We'll all be in great mourning. And the only cure for that is that God himself will have to wipe away our tears. He'll have to heal us of that sadness. Or else we could not go through eternity. How in the world could we go through eternity having the, 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 having the, the feelings or, or the sensations of so-and-so is there. I'm enjoying this lovely place, but so-and-so is down there. Oh, I, I'm enjoying spending time with Jesus, but so-and-so is down there. No, he's going to have to wipe us, wipe our tears. Heal us. He's going to have to heal us so that we can enjoy eternity with him. But again, what is the final call? It is Jesus. It is Jesus. And we know and are very sure that once Jesus comes into a life, not fake, not pretending, not all this stuff, but once a person truly receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he will help them work out the rest. The rest of the body is here as he has been working with me as he's been working with you, he will also work with them. 
He'll do it. He'll do it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He'll do it. He'll do it. This is the final call. So what is God saying? Get ready, church. Get out of yourself. It's not about you. It's about the will of God. Dust your Bible off. Dust your Bible off. Dust your knees off. It's time to pray. It's time to ask God to use you once again. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, John 8 chapter, John 8, John 8, as we go ahead and get started. John 8. Don't worry, we'll go for about another hour or so, then we'll be done. John 8. When you get there, say amen. Amen. We're going to speak from the subject very briefly today now of Jesus is the judge. Let your neighbor know you are not. You're not the judge. Let him know you are not Jesus. So that means you are not the judge. There is one that judges rightly. And his name is Jesus. John 8th chapter, let me read to you verses 1 through 8. Now, the entire 8th chapter of John, we're going to be here, the Lord willing, in the next few weeks because it is all so rich, and we're going to receive a good, rich understanding of God's Word as we speak from the subject today of Jesus is the Judge, the series, The Final Call. Let me read this to you, John, uh, the 8th chapter, verses 1 through 16, out of the uh, King James Version. It reads like this. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. But, verse 5 says, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be, what? Such should be stone. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, uh, and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without what sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they uh, which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Verse 10, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, woman, where are those thine accusers? Have no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. 
He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go. But ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no one, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. Now I want you to notice just, just some very surface things that we're going to talk about, then we're going to go a little bit deeper, okay? We see here a scene of law. Let me get, let me get here on, this, on the board. We see here a clash between law, law and grace. There is a clash between law and grace. Clash of the titans, so to speak. The Bible declares that law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The Pharisees come to the Lord with law. This is what the law says, Jesus. Now, what do you say? This is what the law says, Jesus. She should be stoned. Under law, she should be stoned. Under law, stoned. What do you say about this matter under grace. And we see a picture here of Jesus kneeling on the ground, stooping on the ground and writing with his finger. Why is that prophetic? That is a very prophetic picture because the law was given to Moses because God or after God wrote on the tablets with his finger, with the finger of God, he wrote on the tablets. And now we see with the finger of God, Jesus being God, with the finger of God, he begins also to write on stone. It is said that the temple floor was made of stone. So he begins to kneel down and write with his finger on stone again. We see the appearance of two laws here. The written law given by Moses and the law that Jesus was inscribing on the ground. There's a new way that he is bringing out. And he tells them, yes, he doesn't deny that this is written in the law because remember the Lord did not come to, he did, he did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. He does not say, don't worry about that. Lady, you go free. He tells them, if any of you are without sin, simply cast the first sin at her. In other words, are any of you in position to judge her? They dropped their stones because none of them were in position to judge her because they all had sinned themselves. The one that could judge her, the one who was in the uh, position of judge, Jesus Christ, who is in uh, total, who is totally par- impartial, totally impartial, the one who is completely guiltless of all charges, he could stone her and did not. I want you to see what's happening here. Jesus is the judge. And there are two dispensations that we'll see in the next few minutes about judgment. Are you still with me today? 
So we see the appearance of prophetic picture of the Lord, of course, writing the law there in the Ten Commandments. And we see how the Lord is also writing with this finger on stone there in the, on the temple floor. What he's writing, I don't know. But the point is that he is writing with his finger on the stone once again. And so he raises himself up from that place after being confronted. Now, here's a big thing too. You're going to have to see. There is right now, there is, if you will, a hailstorm of attack around Christ. Everywhere, especially up to this time, if you read, read your Bible, you'll find that they are trying to take him. They're trying to kill him. They don't want him. And it is not the Romans doing it. It is not the sinner. It is not the prostitute. It is not all those out there that are trying to kill Christ. It is the religious leaders of that day that are trying to stone Christ, that are trying to do away with Christ. It is the church that is trying to muzzle Christ. I hope you're understanding this. Many times your enemy is not without, but the enemy is within. So this is why the Lord has to confront what's in the church first. Judgment must happen in the church first, in the house of God first, and then it spreads abroad. Do we understand this? Let's look a little bit further. Notice what Jesus gives her in verse number 11. Remember, the law says that she should be stoned. That is what the law gives her, stoning. But what does Jesus give her? Verse 11, she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I'm not condemning you either. Go and sin no more. And you'll find out also in verse 15, we read it a moment ago. He said, ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man because his primary mission in this phase, in this period, is not to bring condemnation, but to bring restoration, but to draw man back to God. And he cannot draw man back to God, pointing out all of their flaws. You understanding? You will find that the Lord was extremely hard on the religious leaders. But you'll never find him pointing a finger of condemnation and judgment at a sinner. How odd is that? How odd is that? When many of the church world today wants to go down to the local bars and pick up the drunk man by his pants and say, come on in here, you filthy sinner. Understand, there is a time period of, of, of no condemnation. There is a time period of mercy. There is a time of grace. But then there is also a time of damnation. Are you hearing? There will be a cutoff time. But now we're living in a time of grace. Now I want you to notice something. Yeah, you can clap about that. That's great, isn't it? That's great, isn't it? But grace does not mean I get to do what I want to do and he won't do anything. As a matter of fact, you will see this in the word of God, that if you continue to allow sin to run rapidly in your life, it will actually control you and dominate you and become your master. So if you want sin to dominate and control and rule your life, what does it look like? It looks like somebody that is broke in poverty, that is sick, 
that is at death's door, someone that is ruled by the flesh. Are you understanding? I know it's tough, but I got to give it to you. So the Lord said, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Grace is not a license to sin, but it is one to help you, to empower you to live a godly life through Christ. Are you understanding? All right. So I want you to see here, there are, uh, as we talk today, again, briefly from the subject of Jesus is the judge. He is the judge. Get that in your head. Jesus is the judge. He will judge. He will judge. And no flesh will be exempt from his judgment. Are you hearing? If you are part of the body of Christ, the Lord, if the Lamb's blood has washed away your sins, praise God, you don't have to worry about going to hell. Thank God. If you are truly born of God, I didn't say pretending. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian just like you sitting in the garage makes you a car. You've heard that before, haven't you? What difference does it make? You've got to be real in this thing. That is, Christ has to actually be on the inside of you, helping you work out your salvation. Praise the Lord. So, if you are truly born of God, if you are truly twice born, born again, you don't have to worry about hell. At the judgment seat of Christ, he'll give us our rewards. He'll let us know what we did well. Praise God. That's great for us. Praise Jesus. But for those that were lazy, lazy Christians, I'm sure you'll receive something else. But there will not be hell involved in it. If you are truly born again, because hell, here again, was prepared for dead spirits. Dead spirits. The only way a human spirit comes to life is being born again. Having the life of God then resident on the inside of him. Dead spirits do not spend eternity in heaven. Dead, all dead spirits spend eternity in hell. The only way to be born again, to have a living spirit, is to have the living spirit, the Holy Spirit, living on the inside of you, quickening you. So you wonder why zombie moves are so popular? Because that's actually the state of man. It's actually the state of man. Brain, 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 brain. Zombies are ruled by their flesh. You've seen the movies? That's actually the state of man. Now, there are some zombies that control their bodies that can control their bodies better than others. And you don't know their true nature until you get a little bit closer. But the true nature of man, the true spirit of man is dead. It died back there in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. God said, day you eat it, you will die. They didn't die at that moment physically, but the spirit died. It lost connection. That is, it lost connection with God. Lost connection with the source. And anything that loses connection with the source, you will see it dead or dying. You pull up a flower. It looks nice and pretty, but it's actually dead. You've disconnected it from the source. Mankind was disconnected from the source. The only way to breathe life back into it is to reconnect it to the source. Therefore, we are revived. We are alive again. 
And so we have access into the heavenly place called heaven in the presence of the Lord because we are alive. We're living spirits now. Does that make sense to you? So people, let me say this again, people are not going to hell because of the sin in their lives. No, because Jesus works out the sin problem once they receive him. But sin is a problem when they have not received him. So the cure is not to tell them to stop the behavior because what if a man stops drinking? Oh, is he now worthy for heaven? What if they stop fornicating and committing adultery? Are they now worthy for heaven? They stop the activity. Does that make them worthy? Absolutely not. What makes a person worthy for heaven? Receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because again, we know and we are very sure, even in our own lives, my life, your life, the word of God, once Christ comes into a life, really comes into a life, not by head knowledge, I know about Jesus, but when a person is truly born of God, he will overcome the world. So let's get it on straight. Now, once a person is born again, their mind needs, their minds need to be renewed. And the Holy Spirit will give them words. He'll give them, uh, he'll give them uh, ministers. And, and in their private prayer time, he will tell them, he will convict them of things in their lives. They will be convicted. Haven't you been convicted of your sins? Those of you that are truly born again, you've been convicted. I've been convicted. Hold up your hand if you've been convicted by the Holy Ghost. I can hold up my feet. I don't have enough hands. I don't have enough. Hallelujah. Anybody been rebuked by the Lord before? If you be not rebuked or chastised of the Lord, you're not a son, but you're actually illegitimate, an illegitimate child. Beginning with the B. Are you hearing? So, you telling me that once somebody gets born again, we got to we got to have a club over their heads to get them right? No, because the Spirit Himself is bearing witness on the inside of them that they are children of God. The Spirit Himself is the one leading them and correcting them. The Spirit Himself will be the one re- rebuking. I had uh, over my I was born again when I was nineteen, and I'm over forty now. I know you're surprised. I'm over. All right, I'm 43 now. And I have never, ever been able to resist a rebuke from the Lord. I've never been able to say, God, I don't receive this. Go away from me. Never. When he is on you and you know you did wrong, oh my God. So how do we think that once they're born again, we got to beat them over a head? I've had people tell me, Pastor, if I, get, if I get off track, you just get me back in line. I'm not your personal Holy Ghost. You got to cry out to the Lord. Oh, praise Jesus. Let's get back in here. We're going to be closing out in a second. Are y'all still with me today? Y'all must have been really praying. This is the final call. This is the final call. 
all age groups, if you can hear these words and understand what I'm saying, you are not too young. This is the final call. Praise the Lord. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I'm not running for office, so I don't need your votes. So I'm going to tell you the truth, Ruth. Let's get back, Jack. That rhyme. Okay, well, thank you. Just another few minutes, then we'll close. Understand something again. Jesus is the judge. He is the judge. There is no one else. He is the judge himself. And it is our responsibility in this time to offer them grace, to introduce them to Christ. But they also must know the full message. There is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. And the same God that is love extreme is also the one that will be casting into hell. In this chapter, the eighth chapter, the Lord mentions, and you can go home and read this yourself. You'll see this yourself. He mentions this. is What chapter is this that we're looking at now? John chapter what? John chapter eight. John chapter eight. Eight is the number of what? New beginnings. In this chapter, the word sin is mentioned eight times. That's not a coincidence. There's a new beginning to the things relating to sin. God give us a new beginning through Christ. He has victory over it. Really briefly, if you look in verse seven, you'll see here the very first one. Uh, so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin, that's number one, among you, let him cast the first stone. And we're going to look at eight of these, but we can't today, so we'll just look at this one and then we'll close out. He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. All right, this self-righteous, these people were, were thought to be self-righteous, talking to the scribes and Pharisees. And their self-righteousness or self-righteousness, period, is a stench in the nostrils of God. These people were saying that we don't need Christ. Surely, vehemently, they were rejecting Christ. They were trying to kill him. In themselves, they thought that they had already attained a moral excellence, a moral standard. We don't need you, Jesus. We know what this is all about. They had already attained a sense of of moral excellence. Now the Lord says in Mark 2, 17, he says, they that are whole need not a physician, but those that are sick. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now the Bible says as well that there is none righteous, no, not one, apart from Christ, none of humanity will be spared. The wrath of God can't be. The lamb has been given. The sacrifice has been given. I don't care who you are. Some say, well, I don't believe in God. Well, he believes in you. God doesn't exist. Well, you'll see on that day. And I pray that you're on the right side on that day. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in all this Jesus stuff. I haven't made a decision for Christ or not. Understand, when you say you haven't made a decision, you have actually made a decision. You've actually made a decision. And the decision you've made is to reject Christ. And if you die in that state, 
You die a dead spirit, disconnected from the source, disconnected from God. And there is no amount of help. There is no amount of, there's no purgatory. We can't give offerings to get you out of purgatory. We can't pray to get you out. There's no such thing. If you die a dead spirit, you cannot enter into heaven. There is no such thing as life being breathed into you after you leave your body. It does not exist. Are you hearing? So all those that say that, there's no, listen, and uh, we're going to really have to close here. I've been trying, Gene. All those that say, I don't need God. All those that say there is no God. How should we treat them? With love. And listen, you can write this down. You can tweet this if you want to. I pray that they have all the fun they can have now. Oh, please. If their mind is made up, there is no God. And if their mind is made up that they're going to reject Christ, that they're going to spit on Christ, they don't want him in their lives. I pray they have all the fun they can have now. I pray their parties are are, are lively. I pray their highs just maintain. I pray they get all the money and all the things that they want in this life. I really do. Then at least when they are in hell, they can have good memories. At least that. I'm not going to begrudge them. You guys have a great time. You don't want Jesus? Hey, have a great time. We tried to minister to you. We tried to offer Christ to you. You don't want Jesus. You say you're good enough where you are. You don't need the Savior. You don't need the Messiah. You're not going to change. I'm going to still pray for you. Hopefully you will change your mind. I pray that the Holy Spirit will convict you. The Holy Spirit will convict you of your sins. I really do pray. I really do pray. But if your mind is made up and you don't want him, I pray you have the best time of your life. Because this is all that there will be. Do you understand my thinking? So what is the body doing right now? Right now, we are we're moaning. We are groaning. Right now, we are humbly beseeching God, begging him for his anointing, for his presence to fill our lives so that when they see us, they will see Christ so that they when they hear us, they will hear Christ. When they feel us, whether it's a handshake or a hug, they will feel Christ. They'll feel God's arms around them. Right now in this time, they need to see the real church stand up. They need to see it. And we that have the answer, we that know God, many of us are still in the venom of the world. You have the answer that they need. So a shaking must come to revive us. Because you have the answer, church. You have the answer. Greater is he that's within you than he that is in the world. You hold the answer. You hold the cure, the solution. It's you. Don't look to a preacher. It's you. It's in you. You can point them to Christ. And if we say, I'm too young, I don't know enough Bible, I don't go here, I don't go there, I'm scared, what? 
What is it going to take to get you to realize that there is a hopeless world out there? They need him badly. They need Jesus badly. And some of the ones that have the biggest smiles on their faces are some of the most lonely and depressed people. They are just very good at hiding it. They need him. Remember, as the Lord said before, they don't need your finger. They need your hand. They need your hand. Don't offer them a finger of condemnation and judgment. Offer them a hand, a hand to reach to Christ. Come on up, my brother. Come on up, my sister. God will help you with all of that. Just come on in the house. Just come on. Judgment is coming. The fire is coming. Wrath is coming. Come in the house before it's too late. Come in the house before it's too late. Please come in the house before it's too late. It's coming. It's coming. So let's stop making excuses. I don't know the Bible. I don't know this. You know all you need to know. And God will empower you to know more when you need to know it. Get in your Bible. Let's beg God. Let's plead with him to fill us with his spirit once again. Let's plead with him to make us look like Christ. Let's plead with him that our speech would change, that our attitudes and our actions would change. Let's plead with him because the day of great mourning will come when only God can wipe away our tears. That's not a myth, and it's not a fairy tale. It shall surely come. So let's cry out. Surely that's worth missing a meal. Surely that's worth getting up in the morning and missing a few hours, a few minutes of sleep. Surely that's worth you being embarrassed at work because you use the name of Jesus. Surely that's worth it. Surely. And so I beseech you all, I beg you, oh Jesus, I beg you, oh Jesus, give me a moment. I I beg you. Cry out to God. Cry out to him. Ask him to be merciful and that he would use you for his glory. Because there are so many people around us that need him. It's that time. Thank you. It's that time. It's that time. This is the set hour. This is the final call. This is that time. So let's rise and let's beg him. Let's beg him. Let's cry out to God. Because there are people who need him now. 
They are desperate now. They are desperate for him now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord God, that there will never be a day that, that we would ever just brush you off when you're telling us to give somebody a word or to talk to somebody. We pray that we are never too busy when you're dealing with somebody and, and you want us to go over and talk to them. Father, we pray that we will never be so afraid or timid that we can't say the name of Jesus. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that when we encounter that soul that needs you, Lord, we pray that they won't see merely us, but that they would see Jesus through us, that they wouldn't merely hear us, but that they would hear you through us. We pray, Lord, that as you have us, have us to embrace them, that they will feel the arms of God around them and that they will know that Jesus is real. They'll know that Jesus is real. Father, we pray that you would just burn out all timidity out of us in Jesus' name and that we will hear your voice and follow your instruction. For it is impossible for us to know what to do except you tell us. Give us the courage, Father, to let go of relationships. The courage to let go of relationships after the time of proving. The time, the courage also to welcome new relationships. Father, we ask for that spiritual detoxing. That you would take the things of the world out of us that are so sweet the things of the world out of us that are so, that feel so good to our bodies, that you would break the deception off of our hearts and life. And Lord, that we would hate what you hate. That we would love what you love. We would reject what you reject. That we would cleave to what you cleave to. Fill us with your desire today. This is what we ask. Not for more houses and cars and money and things. Right now, God, we pray for you. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't allow laziness and, and selfishness or selfish desires to get in the way of your will for our lives. As a matter of fact, Father, right now, we say have your way in us. Fill us with your desire. We ask Christ to come into our lives anew and afresh. Baptize us once again, Father, with your Holy Spirit and with fire in the name of Jesus. Let your light shine so brightly through us that men may see our good works and glorify you. This is our cry, oh God. That you would awaken the church. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. 
And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.